Welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Simon. I'm Stuart. We're both property people running our own businesses. This podcast is just us chatting, as we often do, about anything and everything property. This week, we're going to start with a freehold offer. And this is an offer that has been made to Stuart. But it's not, as you might expect, a normal purchase offer, is it? What's your story here? Well, it's the studio flat that we own, which we are touch wood in the midst of selling for the third time. And we've now had an offer from the freeholder to say that they want to sell the freehold. So we have a lease on the property and they are now selling the the lease, sorry, the freehold to the existing tenants, I believe, of which there are six of us or six lease holders. And I, I suppose in normal times, that would be good news, wouldn't it? That uh, you can take a piece of your property and, and not have to worry about it. But we actually spent a few years ago, just over £20,000 to extend the lease on aforementioned property. So it's one of those where it's given me mixed feelings, but mostly a feeling of of regret and annoyance and frustration. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these, the, the, you, you can't tell what's going to happen in the future. So you made the right decision at, at the time. But yes, it's still going to be frustrating. So how has this arisen? Because I think... I could easily be wrong on this because this is definitely not an area of expertise. But I think if a freeholder decides they want to sell their freehold, they have to offer it to the leaseholders first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if the leaseholders say they don't want it, or if enough of the leaseholders say they don't want it, it then will, it can then be sold on the open market. So what, what's, what has actually happened so far and what stage are you at? Well, the stage is that we, we, we heard via one of our tenants that one of the neighbouring owners was trying to contact us. And actually, we went to the property this week to to clean it prior to the next guest. And there was also a letter from the solicitors. So the freehold is being sold for just under uh, 20k. I, I won't give out specifics, but I mean, it's, it's there or thereabouts. And there are six owners. So the interesting thing for me was on the letter. So it's a, a legal letter for the reason that you just mentioned. I think that, you know, they have to follow that process. But we are the most recent renewed lease. So for example, it'll say we have 90 odd years because yeah, actually it'll probably be 100 and something because we extended recently. Then there'll be someone else that's got 69 years of their term remaining and so on. So there's a bit of a mixed bag and, and we're the most recent. So I my view was with my wife is that I guess the first thing we'd need to understand is how that is weighted, because clearly I wouldn't expect to be paying one sixth of a of a price when I've just spent it was just over twenty thirty it was twenty two thousand pounds to extend the lease. So my only thought around it is do you know do I wrap it into a sale? But quite immediately my thought was no. You know we've had we've had two failed sales. I don't want to complicate this any further than it already needs to be. But be interesting to know if, you, if you've heard anything of, of how that would be weighted. But my my sort of very simple view would be that from a from a legal standpoint, they'd have to work out the terms of each lease remaining and do a calculation, whatever that is, on how that apportions fairly across uh, the, the leaseholders. In answer to your question, I have absolutely no idea. Good. However, if anyone listening does. Please reach out on Twitter. We can be found on Biz of Property. That's B I Z of Property. And both Stuart and I 
uh, are watching that that handle so so you can reach out to Stuart directly there and uh, and let him know if you do know the answer we may we may part, cross your palm with silver we may not but uh, please do reach out and let us know <laughs> so this letter that you've received presumably this is sort of saying you as a leaseholder and other leaseholders would you like to buy it so assuming that's the case have you spoken to the other leaseholders yet do you because you have to do this collectively i think don't you I don't know. I honestly don't know. We picked up the letter yesterday, so we have yet to action it. I think there's a timeline on it. I haven't even got round to reading it properly. I would assume that, well, it does have to be the leaseholders, but it could be that you know one leaseholder says, fine, I'll have two shares rather than one share. But the, the letter is from a solicitor, which I assume is the freeholders solicitor. And anecdotally, I remember speaking to the, the, the freeholder when I was renewing the lease and he just said he was really fed up with it. And I know we're all going to get our violins out now, but you know, he was fed up with it because, you know, service charges and having to chase everyone for payments and, you know, this and the other. And, and again, you know, we're, we're poor you, you know, but it is a challenge. And equally, my guess and it is a guess, but my guess would be with everything coming down the pipe in terms of leasehold changes, and I know that's for new builds at the moment, but I'd imagine there's a lot of uncertainty about what leasehold will actually mean in the future. So probably better to sell up and move on now than than wait for, for, for the government to, to sort things out for you. Yeah, so if if you, you and your fellow leaseholders in this block do go ahead and, and purchase the freehold, you will end up in a share or freehold situation. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in that situation for, for anything else you've owned? Well, I have, Simon. I just uh, I just sold a property that we, we should we owned a quarter of the freehold, and that was a property that we had a few issues with, but we owned a quarter of the freehold. So, and all that meant, as far as I was concerned, was that we just employed the the managing agent, as it were, an independent managing agent to look after the property, stroke communal areas and roof and and had agreements on a fund and there used to be annual meetings which happened probably once while I owned the property in six years but I'm not sure that's quite the definition of annual but anyway (laughs) carrying on it it was supposed to be annually but I think it it was just each owner was doing their own thing but yeah I mean typically that's what we do and, and we did have communication with each other and you know, someone said, oh, I don't know, the, the external window clean is going to cost a thousand pounds. And we'd all respond and say, I don't think so. Please recost it, you know, that kind of thing. So it definitely makes things easier. And it certainly from a selling point of view makes things easier when you're not talking about leasehold. I mean, I think there is a there, there's a leasehold on it, but it's, you know, it's a thousand years. And of course, once that expires as the owner of the freehold, you just agree to do it at a nominal fee. But there's a few things you definitely need to be aware of that I wasn't previously that, you you know, you need to make sure there's a managing agent and you're responsible for that. And actually, as as part owners, you are all responsible for the upkeep, etc. So there are only four of you in that situation. And from the sounds of it, you had a fairly, fairly good situation there. And presumably everyone paid their, their fees and things like that. The, the current one that you're looking at, I think you said there's six leaseholders in total. So slightly bigger, but not much. But the freeholder, one of the reasons that you said they're setting up is because they're having trouble chasing fees. So would you be worried about going into a, a share of freehold when perhaps some of your fellow leaseholders are, are are not so good at keeping up with their fee payments? Well, personally, 
in in this scenario because I'm selling the property, it's not something I'm even thinking about. <laughs> it's it's I, I need to see where we get to with the selling of this property, and if if it falls through again, which hopefully, obviously, it won't, then I, I'd think about taking it on just to to help it. But I think it, I think it's along with everything else. If you are the the part owners and, and all of you have agreed with it, then there's a certain level of responsibility. But I think that the issue could arise where you've got everyone else paying service fees and just one not. And I have heard of that before. And I, I guess it would be like dealing with a with a bad tenant is that you have to then follow procedure to make things happen. And, and I have heard stories about that where you do then have to go a legal route to. And of course, when you're signing these agreements, there are, you know, this, you know, it's incumbent on you as a share of the freehold to do these things. So I think you just have to follow the due process, you know, if if you were unlucky enough for that to happen. And and as you say, I think, you you know, the, the odds increase, don't they? If you go from four to six, there's now six chances where someone just just doesn't pull their weight. But it's it's an old Victorian property. It's been around for a while. I mean, there is a fair amount of upkeep to be done in terms of the communal areas. It's, it's a nice it's a nice little place. But I would envisage that the current owners wouldn't be the, the sort of owners that would 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 kind of not pick up their duties as it were so you mentioned you're selling this flat as well as as you have tried to do a few times before what what stage is that sale at so we had a a buyer pull out at the at the end of last year so we we had two purchases fall through and we had a buyer come back in in january and we've kind of said okay uh it's 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 the same buyer that kind of put it on pause for a reason which i won't share on this show but um so they came back and we said okay if it happens quickly we'll do it they are just waiting to get approval of their mortgage i believe so and once that happens all of the legals has already been done buying buying quite a key piece actually uh, around a deed of variation but again without going into all of that again bottom line is we need to, to to follow up with the estate agents because i'm i'm kind of at the stage with this one where if it doesn't happen within a certain time frame i.e we don't get to exchange within a certain time frame i i will be ending the sale because i've you know we're getting to a stage where and i'm sure lots of other people can identify with this where we've got early redemption charges on the property which we're which we're willing to stomach for now but of course as time passes those redemption charges are reducing and so it gets to a stage where my wife and I say, okay, do we just hold on to this now? Because it's actually performing very well as a service accommodation property and delivering more income. However, obviously, we would rather have the, the income out of the property, the equity out of the property to, to do what we needed to do with. Cool. Well, good luck with that. I hope it, I hope it actually manages to, to get through to exchange and, and indeed completion. Yes, thank you. And while we're on updates, uh, one update that we mentioned briefly was that in our previous uh, couple of podcasts ago, we were talking about rental increases and your hesitance, reticence, your moral empathy with tenants and about whether or not you could reduce it and if you were to what amount. What stage are you at with that? So I actually obviously looked up all the details and read it in preparation to contact them. And worked out that they, they've been in the property six years without any rental increase during that time. So I did, following our discussion, conclude that I really should increase the rent after six years. And that's what I did. I emailed them and 
uh, explained the, the situation and that I needed to look at a, a, a small rent increase. And the amount I, I plumped for was an increase of £75 a month, which is 5.5% of their, their previous rent. So 5.5% increase over six years. I don't, don't think that's too bad. They've obviously been back in touch and, and confirmed that it's not good news, but they, they are willing to accept that. So uh, yes, as of next month, their rent will be very slightly increased. And I now feel really terrible. <laughs> Particularly when you have to say on a podcast, because we're evil landlords and you know how, how dare you. But uh, overall, in terms of your engagement with them, how did you feel it was a it was just an acceptance. It wasn't neither negative nor positive. Yeah, it was just an acceptance. I think really. I mean, rents do increase, and they've they've been living there for six years without a rent increase. So I'm sure they must have known that this was going to going to come at some point. So so yeah, I think just as you say, acceptance. Oh, that's well. That's it's it's good, and of course, you know, as we've said, you know, five and a half percent in one year. If we look at inflation, that's probably there or thereabouts in this last year alone, not including the previous five years. So it's it's not an unfair thing to ask for. And I think that's the... No. And, and it is that the rent, though, we'll be paying is still approximately £400 below the, the going market rate for, for a property in that, that area. So And did you did you put that information to them as well? I didn't name numbers, but I did point out that that it was still well below market rate. Yeah, and and I think that's actually something you've you've got in your back pocket, so to speak. If if that arose, if if there was a real contention against it, you you could always say, look, I've looked at this market, and I, I'm pretty sure you know, you know, reasonable people a accept it, but b you know they they could have a look in the marketplace. You know, and I've I've seen other people with unscrupulous landlords that have just gone from what current rent was to an in inverted commas market rate, and it just pushed you know, my friend out of the property she was living in, which is which is completely unfair. And, you know, that, that land lord wasn't willing to sort of negotiate. So, you know, you're you're approaching this in a very, very different way, in a very in a very fair manner. So And and I did did say in my communications with them if they if they ever find they're having trouble paying and things, that they should should get in touch with me first. So so yeah, ho- hopefully Hopefully it will all go smoothly. Hopefully it won't be too big a stretch for them, and and hopefully it'll all just proceed as normal. But yes, uh, it, it does it does worry me, especially as you know, every day we we see another headline about the cost of living going up and cost of energy and food and everything else. So I think it's best that we move on from from talking about my concerns and worries about increasing rent and what happens when rents can't be paid sometimes is that a tenant will end up in debt and a landlord may have to take drastic action and unfortunately i think stuart you're in that situation now yeah sadly and and as we always say it's not a situation we want to be in it's not a, a situation we, we take any sort of pleasure in in talking about or or, or doing but every now and again we, we have to and We've recently had to serve a, a Section 8 notice on a tenant because we've got a tenant that has stopped paying. But for me, the, the key thing is has stopped communicating. And uh, the, the tenant in question has always been 
patchy t- in terms of communication. And when I say patchy, I think I've only ever had one communication in uh, over a year and a, a half. And the, the, the payments have, have been sporadic at best, but got to a stage where they are now three months in arrears. And once once they go three months in arrears, as one of the Section H clauses states, we particularly in, on a room share, we can serve a two-week possession order. So that doesn't mean that there would necessarily be an intention to take the property back in two weeks. And of course, legally, there'll be ramifications. As we're all well aware that you know we couldn't just walk in in 15 days and, and take that room back. It's not going to happen. But the intention is there. And, and typically, we serve that just to really just try and get from my perspective to try and have that communication because we've sent several emails i've tried calling no response and once we served it a payment did come in without communication and and this has happened previously but it's it's a stage now where we're still two months or the tenant's still two months in arrears we haven't had any communication about it and you, you kind of left as a landlord property owner not knowing what else to do because even once we'd served the Section 8, my, my, my view was, look, we've served this repossession order, which, which can happen basically after 14 days is up. However, I'd much rather that you and I have a chat about what's, what's currently going on and how we can, we can help, how we can support you if there are these issues. But without anything coming back, it, you're really left with little option, particularly when it's in a house of several people. It's a very difficult situation, isn't it? I suspect they've made it extra complicated for you by now paying some rent. So they're no longer three months in arrears. So your previous notice is probably no longer valid. So it's uh, all sorts of extra complications there. But what are you what are you planning to do next? Are you going to try and sort of continue with the official eviction route for rent arrears? Or are you going to let it slide for now and and wait and see what happens with the next payment or and any further payment or i don't know is there is there a third option could you talk to any of the housemates to try and sort of create a communication route in in that way or or something else yeah i think we'll get there i mean with the with the section 8 notice it's actually 2 months rent arrears we're able to do what we can do it's just i wait till 3 and again just to be clear to to those listening it's this is this isn't the first time this has happened so you know i wouldn't this this is the last this is absolutely the last resort that i would take with a tenant to to get things sorted so so yeah even though that payment's been made it's still two months in arrears as as far as we're concerned they're on a periodic tenancy yeah and like you say i think you know the only other option i have is is to try and go go through other tenants just to contact him to say look what's the plan what's happening and you know i will inevitably visit the property myself knock on the door and just say just to see if i can you know have a chat because once once you're in front of people they're often very different and you can speak with them and i think you know this is one thing and i know you you know particularly you are always concerned about is is the is the well-being of the tenant in terms of you know if if they're in a situation and we've all been in situations we don't want to be in and I, I don't want to exacerbate that situation, but all I can do is what I've done, which is say, look, please talk to us. The rent is due. If you're having difficulties, please 
please call me on this number below and let's have a chat. And I, and I word it that way to make it feel less onerous, less legal. But then once that's not been responded to, you're kind of left with very little, very few places to go. And, you know, often, and particularly in a shared house, these tenants tend to have other traits as well, which I'm not going to get into on this particular podcast, but let's just say that they're probably not always the most inclusive and connected people or engaging people to, to be around. Yep, it's a difficult situation to to navigate, as you say. When there's no no communication channel, it just gets even harder. I think you had a, I'm not sure if it's a tenant leave or or went through the eviction process a little while ago, and you had some outstanding debt still hanging back from that or hanging over from that. Have you followed up with that or decided to write that off, or where are you sitting with that these days? Yeah, so I I haven't written it off yet, and. I'm always somewhere in the middle on this because speaking candidly, I've got better things to do with my life than chase up, let's say, several hundred pounds for the sake of argument, which it's it's, not, it's around a thousand. But the key for this particular one was it was always the principle of the issue, which is once again, the, the tenant left without communicating, actually left, yeah, without going into those details again, but they didn't leave the flat in a great way. However, by the time we've taken the deposit and everything else, the, the, the number that they owed had probably halved, but there's still several hundred pounds there. And we still had to pay for a lot of cleaning, random items that were left in the gardens and, and so on, you know, a, a smashed front door and so on. And I think it's the principle of someone believing that they can just leave that behind and then become uncontactable. And I don't want to pressure people or make them feel worse in situations but then equally i do believe that you know there is a responsibility in life that we have to have and, and personally i have been through some of these situations myself where the the act of having to face up to and take responsibility is what what helped me grow and and, and you know trying try not to sound you know condescending in any way around that but that's why I've, i haven't quite let it go and so to answer your question I have got the debt collection agency on the case. I actually got the the, the forward address from, from a separate company, a debt tracing agency. So we got the forwarding address and I have debt collectors sort of ready to go. And I don't, you know, I, and I'm probably just reticent to, to push the button because it, it will apply pressure to this person. But then equally, I think, well, they probably should know that even if it's only several hundred to a thousand pounds that, it's not the sort of thing you can just walk away from as an adult. Indeed. The people you've involved are ready to help you with this. What what have you what what does that cost you? Presumably they're they're either they either want what money up front or they're they're expecting a percentage or something of the, the recovered money. So how how is that working? Yeah, so the debt tracing, I think that cost that was about twenty five pounds as a as a great company. If you just look Google debt tracing, there's a couple of re- really good ones that if you've got certain information which I had around national insurance number and name and obviously previous address because they'd lived at the address it, it kind of came back within i think a couple of hours with a forwarding address so, so that's one option and then uh, the other option was hiring an agency that don't want anything up front but they would take a certain amount from the fee and again given that i'm expecting nothing i thought putting up nothing is probably a better way to go so, so that's the option i've gone for do they, when you start talking to them, do they sort of 
do some pre-screening to for them to evaluate whether they think that there's any chance of recovering anything and hence whether they want to put any effort in or or do they do they take on everything and and just accept that they'll only get a a certain hit rate for those yeah i, I don't know i mean on this one uh, we haven't had those sort of open conversations about whether they would or wouldn't they it's you know they they just have the forms to sign and it's been agreed so i assumed but i would i would think that they would do that in terms of probabilities and it also amounts because clearly no one's going to waste time on you know a, a few hundred pounds because the cost of the admin the cost of actually you know making phone calls and doing everything else would would negate any of that so so i'd imagine there's a threshold in terms of debt recovery amount and and like you say a, a probability but this one they're happy to go uh, and and chase it so the question is whether i will you know continue continue the what, what sort of sorry i was gonna say what sort of percentage do they want off the top of my head i don't know i think they had a sort of a, a minimum charge of a of a maybe between 150 and 250 based on the amounts that we were given so i don't you know as, as a percentage that probably comes out quite high yeah probably comes out somewhere around 10 15 percent but again you know if, as you know as well as i do that in this scenario if, if we're expecting nothing if we if we got something then we're happy to to share it and like i say for me this is more around principle and i'd be happy to hear from other people listening whether you know, it, you know, reach out to us at Biz of Property on Twitter or thebusinessofproperty.com. You know, what will you do? And we talk about this many times in the past, but uh, is it worth teaching someone a lesson or should we just let it go and move on with our lives? That, that's, uh, I guess it's a moral question as well as a, a financial one. Indeed. And perhaps less of a moral or financial question, but we need to move on as well. So I think we're going to bring this episode to a close there. And it just remains for me to say, please do leave us a rating in whatever podcast app you use. We'd really appreciate it if you could just leave us a, a rating, preferably five stars, but anything will do. Right? We, we don't mind. And you can find show notes for this episode and all of the others on thebusinessofproperty.com. And Stuart and I will talk to you again next week. Bye.